This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. These two words, my people, come right from the heart of God. And they make such a strong statement. When God took Israel to be his people, that was at Mount Sinai, at Mount Sinai, and God, in essence, married Israel and said to Israel the marriage vows of, I, the God of the whole earth, do take you, Israel, to be my wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, in sickness and health, to love and to cherish for eternity. That was God's words, in essence. That was, in essence, what God told Israel at Mount Sinai. And from that time, God was married to Israel. And even though Israel made it to be for worse for God, God stuck with Israel. And God told Israel in Jeremiah 3.14, Jeremiah 3.14, turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. Isaiah 54.5, Isaiah 54.5, For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth shall he be called. So as a wife, Israel was unfaithful. She was adulterous, and she was unfaithful as could be, and even though Israel was adulterous, God refused to divorce Israel as God said in Jeremiah 3.1, Jeremiah 3.1, they say, if a man put away his wife and go from him and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers, yet return again to me, saith the Lord. He, God, was willing to do to the unbelievable. Even though Israel had been so spiritually adulterous, God said, come back, come back to me. And to show Israel how they committed adultery against God, God took one of his choice, very choice prophets, Hosea, and told Hosea, go out and marry a prostitute named Gomer who will refuse Hosea to stay faithful to you. But God said, God said, through Hosea, in Hosea 2.19, Isaiah 2.19, I will betroth thee unto me forever. 
Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness and thou shalt know the Lord. This is what's behind these words, my people, when God says this singular statement that of commitment where God is saying to Israel, I married you, I married to you, Israel, I will be married to you for eternity. Even though, Israel, you go and you get married to others, I will not cast you off. I will wait for you. Even though your lovers will spit you out into the gutter of the street, I'll take you up. I'll clean you up. I'll put you up to be my wife again because that's just who I am. That's God. Deuteronomy 7.9, Deuteronomy 7.9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God. Lamentations 3.23, Lamentations 3.23. Great is thy faithfulness. 2 Timothy 2.13, 2 Timothy 2.13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. And the fact that God now in this chapter, in Micah 6, Micah 6.2, says, oh my people, shows how God is so faithful to refuse to say, you were my people, but you're not my people anymore. No, God says in verse two, oh my people, and he's saying, I won't let you go. I will not let you go. I will do all I can by way of correction, by way of chastening, by way of persuading you. Come to your senses, return to me. And if you don't return to me, it will not be because of me, as I will never stop calling you my people. Because even though there will be times when there's just gonna be a very small, tiny remnant of you that will return to me, I won't destroy you. Because of that very small remnant, because of that very tiny remnant of the Jewish people, I will continue to call you my people. And now God says in verse three, in verse three he says, Oh, my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. With those words, God is saying to Israel, as a husband with a broken marriage, I'm not giving up on the marriage. I'm wanting to go to, to, to counseling with you, Israel, as my wife. Let's start the counseling session. Now tell me, Israel, what have I done unto you? Tell me, Israel, wherein have I worn you out? Tell me, Israel, testify against me. And when the Lord says that, testify against me in verse three, the Lord is saying, don't give me the silent treatment. Talk, complain, yell, shout, let it out. Stop with this passive aggression of not talking to me because I won't take it any longer. Revelation 3.15, Revelation 3.15, I would thou wert either cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That's what God's saying here in those three words of Micah 6.3, Micah 6.3, testify against me. God's saying Isaiah 41.21, Isaiah 41.21, produce your cause, saith the Lord, bring forth your strong reasons, saith the king of Jacob. See, with these words in verse three, God's saying, Revelation 2.4, Revelation 2.4, 
I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. See, with those three words, God's saying, Israel, you call yourself my wife, but the spark's gone. It's all gone. The passion is gone. You serve me with a sterile religious duty about you. You don't sing to me anymore with a voice of joy. You don't pray to me anymore with all your heart. Your prayers sound to me like a boring recitation, like you're reading off a list. You don't serve me with delight. You just do for me your religious duty reluctantly. You don't give your money to me with happiness. You just shell it over with a grudge. In short, you just don't love me anymore. There's no love. And I can't stand it any longer, God is saying. So stand up and get it out. Shout it out. Tell me, what have I done unto thee? How have I worn you out? Testify against me because this way is no way for a marriage to be. And this is the same as when God said to Israel, Isaiah 118, Isaiah 118, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And when God said that in Isaiah 118, when Isaiah 118, when he said, come now and let us reason together, that's God as a husband who was saying, to Israel, his wife, the same as he's saying here in Micah 6.3. Testify against me. Come to the counseling session. Tell me, O my people, what I've done unto thee. Tell me how I've worn you out. Testify against me, because even though you've committed multiple adulteries, I'm ready to take you back. I'm ready to forgive you. I'll cleanse you. I'll renew you. That's the same as God saying, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. They're not going to heaven, is what he said. But such were some of you, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Why? Because Revelation 1.5 talks about the kind of love that Jesus Christ has. Revelation 1.5 says Jesus Christ loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. 2 Corinthians 5.17, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. No, all things are become new. These are the intense pleadings of God. And God now tells Israel how personally he was involved in the rescue of Israel when he says in verse four, verse four of Micah 6, Micah 6, 4, I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And with those words, God wants Israel to think and remember, think and remember just how desperate you were in the land of Egypt. Because he says in verse four, verse four, I brought you up out of the land. Israel was down, very down in Egypt, like a man whose head is being held under the water. Israel was drowning. 
There was no army of Israel to fight the Egyptians. There was no Ukrainian army to fight for Israel. Israel's future was just to die, slowly die. There was no resistance freedom fighters in Israel to attack the Egyptians. Israel's future was just to slowly die under the hand of Egypt. There was no other army that was gonna come in and challenge the power of Egypt and therefore free Israel. Israel's future was just to slowly die under the hand of Egypt. That was Israel's future. No hope, no survival, no plan for survival. Israel's future, very simply, just slowly die under the hand of Egypt. Under that desperate condition, it was God and God himself personally alone who rescued Israel, as he said in verse four, verse four, I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. That was our picture in before Jesus Christ saved us. We were just as desperate as Israel was in Egypt. Ephesians 2.12, Ephesians 2.12, at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Our future was just to simply slowly die under the hand of Satan. But as with Israel, so with us, God came and said, verse four, verse four, I brought thee up out, and that's what happened to us. Ephesians 2.13, Ephesians 2.13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were afar off were made nigh by the blood of Christ. We were redeemed by the blood of Christ, and Israel was redeemed by the blood of the Passover lamb. Passover's coming, Passover's coming. Another remembrance of the blood of the lamb. We just sang the song, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. We were redeemed by Christ, who in the Bible is called our Passover lamb of God. I received a letter this week from a, a woman and read this. Hi, Tom, I collected our mail this morning and in there was a book, Changed. The envelope was to Susanna Lay, or current resident, which we are the current resident, only two of us. I looked at the envelope and thought, oh, this is going to be someone looking for money. How bad do I feel now? I actually read the entire thing at my desk and feel emotional, like I've lost something and need to get it back. I was born a Catholic, born and raised in Ireland, and have gone to many masses and listened to many priests, but this is the first time I actually feel like I know who Jesus is. The entire story on the Lamb of God is just repeating in my head. And when God said to Israel in verse four, verse four, I redeem thee out of the house of the servants, God was wanting to have happen to Israel what happened to that Irish Catholic lady who said, the entire story of the Lamb of God is just repeating in my head. God is wanting the words of verse four to repeat in the heads the words of, I redeem thee, I redeem thee. Just keep repeating into their heads. And then to help that verse four, the words of, I redeem thee, 
to just keep repeating in their heads. God said that he sent three persons, three persons he sent to Israel. And those persons were in verse four, verse four, I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, he says, Miriam, yes, I sent Miriam, three persons God sent to Israel. Moses, a king who led Israel out of Egypt. Moses, a prophet who spoke for God to Israel and wrote all of God's words for Israel in the first five books of the Bible. Moses, a priest who prayed to God for Israel and said that God should blot him out of God's book of life if God was going to blot Israel out of God's book of life. And Aaron, Aaron the priest who was chosen by God to daily intercede for Israel, to operate the tabernacle as a place where individual Jews could come and have their sins atoned for with sacrifices. And then Miriam, Miriam, how surprising it is to see God say that he sent Miriam, the sister of Moses, but God says, yes, I did. I sent Miriam unto you, Israel. And what a critical role Miriam played for Israel when Israel stood on the other side of the shore of the Red Sea and they watched dead Egyptians just wash up. The waters lapped and came with them with those little waves, those little waves, dead bodies of the Egyptians. And as Israel stood there in shock, looking at those dead Egyptians wash up on the shore, it was Miriam, Miriam who broke the shock when she took a tambourine bravely in her hand and turned that shock of those dead Egyptians into a praise of God. Miriam was very important for Israel as God called her a prophetess. A prophetess when she taught the Jewish women how to praise and sing to God. When she spontaneously took up that little song of praise, just made it up and led the women to sing to God in Exodus 15:20, Exodus 15:20, and Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, say, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. And so God said that he sent Miriam the prophetess to Israel to encourage Israel with song. And now God calls on Israel, remember these things and remember what Balak, he says, that king of Moab that wanted to destroy you and he had thoughts and he had plans and he commissioned Balaam, the Balaam, the evil, the evil man, to curse Israel in Numbers 22.6. Numbers 22.6, when the king Balak said to the evil man Balak, come now therefore I pray thee, curse me this people, they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them, that I may drive them out of the land. For I what that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. So Balak the king hires Balaam to curse Israel. And Balak offered Balaam great wealth if he would just curse Israel. Numbers 22, 17, 22, 17. I will promote thee unto great honor. 
I will do whatsoever thou sayest unto me. Come therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people. But God spoke directly to Balaam and told him in Numbers 22.12, Numbers 22.12, God said to Balaam, thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. And when Balaam arrived to meet Balak, and Balak waited for the curse to come from Balaam, Balak was shocked to hear Balaam say, in Numbers 23.7, Numbers 23.7, he took up his parable and said, Balak the king of Moab hath brought me up from Aram out of the mountains to the east, saying, come, curse me Jacob, and come, defy Israel. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? How shall I defy whom God hath not defied? For from the top of the rocks I see him, from the hills I behold him, Lo, the people shall dwell alone and shall not be reckoned among the nations. Who can count the dust of Jacob and the number of the fourth part of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous. Let my last end be like his. And Balak said to Balaam, what hast thou done unto me? I took thee to curse mine enemies and behold, thou hast blessed them altogether. And then in verse, in Numbers 23, 21, 23, 21, he hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among him. God brought them out of Egypt. He hath, as it were, the strength of a unicorn. Surely there's no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, what hath God wrought? Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift himself up as a young lion. He shall not lie down until he eat the prey and drink the blood of the slain. Balak was so frustrated that he told Balaam, don't say anything more. Don't curse, don't bless. In Numbers 23, 25, Numbers 23, 25, Balak said unto Balaam, neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. That history got to be known at the time when God turned the curse into a blessing for Israel. Deuteronomy 23.5, Deuteronomy 23.5. Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken to Balaam, but the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee because the Lord thy God loved thee. Nehemiah 13.2, Nehemiah 13.2. Because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them, howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. That's what God did. And God told Israel, remember that, don't forget it. God told them, remember how Balaam was hired to curse you and how God turned that curse into a blessing. That's what God did for us. He turned the curse of our sins into a blessing and God did this. In Isaiah 53, 6, Isaiah 53, 6, the curse of us going astray, all we like sheep have gone astray, we've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. In the Hebrew, that last phrase, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, it reads like this in Hebrew. God made all of our iniquities to meet on him, to converge on him. The picture is that all the sins of the world, like a magnet, just came down to meet on the head of Jesus Christ, and he bore them all when he died for them on the cross. 
That's what it means when the curse of our sins all met on Christ and Christ died for our sins. When the curse of our sins fell on Christ, he was made a curse for us. Galatians 3.13, Galatians 3.13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Because of that, we were blessed, because we were redeemed, and we became the children of God. That's a curse being turned into a blessing. And that's what God called Israel to remember in verse 5, how the curse was turned into a blessing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being the God who turns a curse into a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.